I do want to share with you from God's Word today. And if you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn with me to a very familiar passage, Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. And I know some of you are thinking, this is homecoming, preacher, not a funeral. And uh, I know it's not. It's not a funeral. But I I think Psalm chapter 23 is an overlooked psalm because sometimes we do misunderstand it. And so often we think, well, this is a funeral psalm or a psalm for death. It's really not. There's only a very a very little small section at the, at the end of it that actually deal with that at all. We read, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Every other promise is a promise for those of us that are alive. It's a promise for those of us in this room today. This, this is David, I believe, at the end of his life. Some commentators have different takes on this. But I believe this is David at the end of his life looking back on everything that God has done and remembering the goodness and promises of God. And so this is a psalm of remembrance, but it's remembering the goodness of God and all of the promises that David's enjoyed for all of his life. The other mistake that we make with this psalm is we think it's a funeral psalm and then we think it's universal in its application. And this is what I mean by that. It doesn't matter who dies. They read the 23rd Psalm at their funeral. Have you ever noticed? I mean, it could be Billy Graham or it could be the head of crime in a major community. And they pass away and they read 23rd Psalm, but it's not for everybody. It doesn't apply to everybody. And that begins in this first verse that we're going to focus on today. We're going to spend most of our time on verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. And what that means is that everything that follows for the rest of this psalm, is meant for people who know the Lord as the shepherd of their life. If you don't know Him as the shepherd of your life, then these promises aren't for you. I would even go so far as to give you a piece of homework this week, and it's okay if you don't want to do it because I won't be here next week to check with you and find out. But at least once a year I do this as part of my normal devotional practice. It it helps me remember And so I take the 23rd Psalm and I write it in the negative. This is what I mean by that. Verse 1 would look like this. The Lord is not my shepherd. I continually want. And then you would go back and write the opposite of every promise that's made. I think if you would do that, if you would take the time in your personal devotional life to do that, two things would happen. One thing is that you would be much more appreciative of everything that God is doing in your life, the second thing is your heart would be much more broken for lost people. Because you'd begin to understand just how hopeless it is to not be in a personal relationship with the shepherd. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Do you know the shepherd? And to set the context, I'm going to read the entire text to remind us the entire 23rd chapter. And then we're going to come back and focus in on verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. God's Word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Father, would you bless the reading and the preaching of your Word in this place today? Would you challenge us through the simple truths of your Word? Would you change us, making us less like the world that we live in and more like the Savior that we celebrate and worship in this place today? Lord, if you'll do those things, then we'll leave here saying what a blessing it was to have been in the house of the Lord today. We ask these things, Lord, not for our good, but for your glory and for the proclamation of the gospel amongst people who are desperately lost. And need to hear the good news. In Jesus name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 23 1. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. I think if, if we can just spend some time together this morning on that one verse. It will help us with a deeper appreciation and understanding of the rest of this psalm. I am going to treat this a little differently today, so I'm going to tell you in advance how we're going to take this apart and walk through it together this morning so that you'll know. I'm going to kind of give you a map of what we're going to do with the text today. I'm going to break this verse into two parts. Part one will be, the Lord is my shepherd. Part two will be, I shall not want. We're going to deal with part two at the very end of my message. So if I'm, if I'm running on time... And, and you're getting panicky thinking he hadn't even touched part two. Don't worry about it too much because I think if we do what we should do with part one, we won't have to spend a lot of time on part two. And then I'm going to take part one and, and in a true celebration of the language in which it was written, we're going to work from right to left. So we're going to start with the word shepherd and move our way back to the word the Lord, which is two words in the English but one word in the Hebrew. And so we're just going to start there and word shepherd and move our way back to the Lord. And then we're going to come back and pick up the, the second part of this verse and try to get a rich understanding of what it is that God would have to say to us. There are several things that I think are, are important for us to realize and think about in this psalm as we look at it together today. The first thing that I want you to see is that our God, our shepherd, is a God who relates to us. Our shepherd is a God who relates to us. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. And I want you to know this not to be lost on you today. This is David who is a shepherd calling God his shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I, I know what it's like to be a shepherd. I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it. I was good at it. And in retrospect, looking back on, the, on my entire life, the Lord has been like a shepherd to me. Our God is a God who identifies with us. Now, this will age me today, but I'm looking around the room, and some of you will remember this as well. I remember several years ago when Nike had a series of commercials featuring a certain running back from Auburn University. And uh, he was the second best running back maybe in the history of the SEC. He wasn't as good as that guy from Georgia but he was okay, all right? So his name was Bo. Y'all remember that? And Bo was, Bo was the running back, not Bo Nix, who's the quarterback at Oregon now. But Bo was the, the running back at Georgia, I mean, I'm sorry, at Auburn. And he was a multi-sport professional athlete. He was one of the first ones that did. And Bo Jackson played professional football and professional baseball. 
And based off of that, Nike started doing a series of commercials called Bo Knows. And they would have Bo with a tennis racket. I don't know if Bo Jackson ever played tennis. But it'd say, Bo knows tennis, you know. And then they'd have a picture of him maybe with a ping pong paddle. And it'd say, Bo knows ping pong. Bo knows golf. Bo knows track. It didn't matter what it was. They put it out that Bo knew. He was the authority. Now, I don't think that Bo was the authority on all of those things. But what I want you to know today is that God is, Right? Everything that Bo wasn't, God is. He is the authority on everything. He is the ultimate of whatever ever area of life you're looking at. And so to David, who is a shepherd, he looks at God and he says, God understands me. He, he gets me would be the modern vernacular of that, right? God gets me. He knows what it's like to be me. God knew what it was like to be a shepherd. You know, there's so many times in our life it's easy for us to kind of push other people away and say, you don't really understand me. If you really understood me, it would be one thing, but you don't really understand me. Nobody knows what it's like to be me. Nobody knows what it's like to walk a day in my shoes, to have come from the past that I came from, to have had the experiences that I've had, to deal what I have to deal with on a daily basis. And yet for the Christian, that will never be true. In fact, the truth is that nobody understands me like God because He understands me completely. And David was under, able to, to understand that and reflect upon that in this passage. In fact, David knows that while he sought to be a good shepherd, God is the perfect example of everything that it would mean to be a shepherd. The Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without sin. Hey, God doesn't just understand who we are and what we do and what we deal with. He understands the temptations that we face. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our struggles, our fears, our stresses. He understands when we feel like giving up and giving in, the Lord is my shepherd, David says. And I think that's a powerful statement from David. You know, sometimes we, we look back on Scripture and we remember the parts that we want to. I think the good old days are a lot like that too. You know, Zach, we look back on the good old days and we remember the parts we want to. We don't remember the parts that weren't so good. David wasn't always the king. He wasn't always on the throne. Life wasn't always hunky-dory for, for this man in Scripture. I remember reading of a day when a, when a man named Samuel was sent by God to anoint the next king of Israel. and He was sent to Bethlehem to meet with Jesse and inspect his sons, and one of them would be the king. He went and he asked Jesse to bring out his sons and they paraded them out and Samuel went through and inspected them. And he's like, God, are you sure? You know, are you sure this is where you wanted me to be? Are you sure it's one of these? And then he finally looks at Jesse and he says, are there any others? And Jesse kind of forgot about David. He said, well, I have one more. He's my youngest son. I can kind of hear the laughter in his voice as he says it. He says, but I don't think he's the one you're interested in. And then he says this. It's perplexing in modern vocabulary, but it, it was an insult 
in their vocabulary, he says he's ruddy and handsome. <laughs> you know, he's saying, he's saying, these men look like warriors. These sons of mine could be great leaders, but David, he's the run of the litter. He, he's kind of pretty, you know. He, he, he's not like these other, other guys. Are you sure it's him? And they send and, and get him. He's tending sheep at the time. He's being a shepherd. And they come and get him and bring him forward. And sure enough, he's the one. Samuel anoints him to be the next king of Israel. And David immediately goes and sits on the throne, right? No. He gets sent back out to tend the sheep. And some time passes and his brothers are in battle with Saul, the current king of Israel. And David gets sent as an errand boy to take a goodie package, you know. To take your brothers some things on the front lines while they're serving the country. And the sheep, they, they'll be alright without you for a couple of days. And so David goes and he gets there and there's this Philistine that stands and challenges the armies of Israel and blasphemes the name of God on a daily basis, and none of the armies of Israel go and stand against him, including David's brothers. And David goes and he hears this Philistine, and Goliath, he hears what he says, and he's like, somebody's got to stop that guy. Well, nobody will. David says, I will. They put the king's armor on him. He can't move, you know. They take it off. He gets his, his shepherd's sling, he gets a few smooth stones, he goes out to the field, he stands, looks up at this giant, because I'm picturing these earlier descriptions of him, he looks up at this giant and he says, hey, you come against me in armor and with a sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, and he sets a rock in the sling and it sinks, the Bible tells us, into the giant's forehead, and down he comes, and in my mind, Zach, I picture him struggling to take the giant's sword and he decapitates him and he grabs him by the hair of his head and chases after the rest of the Philistines and the whole army of Israel goes with him and the enemy is vanquished and then David becomes king, right? No. No. Then he's running for his life and hiding from King Saul who's jealous and throws his spear at David every opportunity that he has. And David's sleeping in caves. And who knows? I'm just going to tell you, sometimes we sanitize these, these stories in Scripture too much. Who knows what they're eating while they're hiding in the wilderness? Probably insects and rodents and whatever else they can find along the way and... Through it all, when David comes out the other side and he's looking back across his life, he says, you know what? From the very beginning, God's been there and He understands me. He understands everything that I've been through, every emotion that I've felt, everything that I've ever had to deal with. The Lord is my shepherd. And then we come back a word... And we come to the word my. David says the Lord is my shepherd. And so not only do we have a God, a shepherd who relates to us, but we have a shepherd who is in a personal relationship with us. This is a personal pronoun. He didn't say the, the, the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd. But instead, David very specifically says, no, he is mine. The Lord is my shepherd. 
And just like the shepherd knows the sheep, God knows each one of us by name. As already said, He knows our faults and our sins. He knows where we're weak, where we're strong, and He loves us uniquely. That's why David makes this statement. And he goes on in Psalm 139 to say, O Lord, You've searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. And David goes on and he says, Where can I go from Your Spirit? Where can I flee from Your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. And in the Psalms, David tells us why God is able to have this unique relationship with Him. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And then David reminds us that God even knows the secret places of our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Folks, I want you to know today that in Scripture, God is not presented as an Almighty who's far above us, but instead He is shown to be a God who has intimate knowledge of all of our doings, of all of our thoughts, of all of our ways. He knows the worst about us. And He still loves us in spite of it all. Just like a shepherd knows his flock. He knows which sheep butt, which ones bully. He knows which ones wander off. He knows the ones that are feeble and weak. He knows the ones that need extra attention. The Lord is my shepherd. And He knows me personally. But then we go on and the next word as we continue to work our way back is the word is. The Lord is my shepherd. And that means that He is a present God. He is a present God. Again, notice what David does not say. He does not say the Lord was my shepherd. And he doesn't say the Lord will be my shepherd. Now here's where we make a terrible mistake in the church. I think a lot of, a lot of believers are in one of those two mindsets. We think back about what God has done in the past. And we've remembered today. It's homecoming. It's okay to remember as long as we don't try to live in the past. And instead, we set ourselves in the present. And then some believers just want to think about what's going to happen one day. One day, I'm going to be in heaven. One day, Jesus will return. One day, we'll be on the other side of all of this. And that's okay, too, because all of that's true. But that's not what His salvation was for. His salvation was so that He could be in this personal relationship where He relates to us here and now. Today, right now in this place, the Lord is my shepherd. Most of my, my dad went to be with the Lord when he was 58 years old. And it was almost 25 years ago. Almost 25 years ago. Uh, um, 25 years is a long time. So I was 23 at the time, 23 or 24 at the time that he passed away. And I try to remember, I try to be 
be, you know, conscientious about remembering things about my dad. And uh, so occasionally I listen to sermons. Most of them are on cassette tape. I need to get them digitized at some point. But we still have a cassette player at the house, and so they're on cassette. And I remember listening to one sermon, and one of the things that really stood out to me that he said in that message was he said that one of his greatest fears was that most of the people in the church had their closest experience with the Lord either the day they got saved or the day they got baptized. And he said, I'm afraid that there are a lot of people that have a wonderful memory of walking down, taking a pastor by the hand, and praying a prayer where they trusted Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, or they have a wonderful memory of going beneath the waters of baptism. And I'm afraid that for most of the people in the church today, that's as close as they ever got in their relationship to Jesus. That there just hasn't been a lot of growth since that point. I love to hear people share their stories, their testimonies. And if you listen to testimonies, a lot of times you kind of begin to get that same feeling. Because most of the time, if you ask somebody to share their testimony, it goes like this. So I used to be, you know, this, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm this. And I always want to say, well, what's he done for you lately when they're done? You know, what's he done for you lately? What's He done for you this year or this month or this week? What what is Christ doing in His relationship with you on a daily basis? And I want to tell you today that if your testimony goes like that and you can't tell me something that God's done for you in the last 30 days, then you probably need to do some self-evaluation. Because the Lord is a present shepherd. He's not a God who was or a God who will be. He's God who is. And He wants to be a personal shepherd to you today. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. And He can be yours as well. Right now, right here. And then we're going to shift our focus to the first two words, again in English, one word in the Hebrew, the Lord. Who, who is my shepherd, the Lord? Who is this one that is present and personal and relates to me? And David says, well, it is the Lord. And if you've got your copy of God's Word open, then most likely you're understanding that the word Lord in the Scripture there in front of you is in all capital letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And I'm afraid that's another thing that sometimes we lose sight of. And we look at that and we say, oh, well, that just means they capitalize that out of reverence for God. And, and that's not what it means. Actually, what it means is this is a specific name of God that David is using in this psalm. There are a lot of names used for God throughout Scripture. Elohim, God the Creator, El Shaddai, God Almighty, uh, the, the Most High God, El Elyon. And so we have all of these different names. This is the most common name for God throughout the Scriptures. And it's a personal covenant name of God. And the word in the Hebrew is Yahweh. And that's the best that I can do. They don't use vowels. They just use consonants and have some accent marks to know where to make some sound, so it would actually be much more guttural than that 
And I, I'm not good at, at pronouncing Hebrew words, but the best we can do, I can do for you today, is the word Yahweh. In English, a lot of times, we use the name Jehovah. In Hebrew, the language of the Jews, they wrote down the consonants, and, and then they would write down the vowels to a Greek translation, and they came up with the word Adonai, and they wouldn't say the word Yahweh when they read Scripture, and the reason why they wouldn't is because they revered this name so highly, they were afraid they'd find themselves guilty of taking the name of the Lord in vain. But this is the name that David uses. Who is this shepherd? David says it is the Lord. And he uses his personal name. So what does it mean? Well, it comes from the words, I am. And this is what it means. He is the self-existent one. He is the God who is apart from any others. This is the God that revealed Himself to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses is there and God's commissioning Moses to go back to Egypt and set his people free. And Moses says, well, I don't even know who to say sent me. What do I tell them? And God speaks from the bush and he says, I am. And we understand that that means I am who I am. And that it means that I am the God who was and is and always will be. There is none like me. There is none greater than me. There is none higher than me. There is none that's even comparable to me. He's the eternal God. Everything that we see and know was created by Him. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you think about it too hard, it'll make your head hurt. It does mine. But I want you to think about it in context of this passage of Scripture. This is the God that David says has come to be my present personal shepherd who gets me and understands me and wants to walk through all of life with me. The eternal, all-powerful God. But it even goes beyond that a little bit. There's a second thought about this name for God. And that is that it expresses something known as an elliptical clause. I am that I am. And this is how that applies to us in the context of this message today. This is who that God is. You need a Savior. I am a Savior. You need a Helper. I am a Helper. You need a Friend. I am a friend. You need a counselor. I am a counselor. You, you follow and track in this with me this morning. Literally everything you could ever want for or dream for or hope for or imagine, He is. And He has taken it on Himself to come to this earth for us. Not because we deserved it. Not because we were worthy of it. Simply because of the desires of His love and His mercy and His grace. He's a good God. And He came to rescue us. And to be in this relationship with us out of the goodness of who He is. The Lord is my Shepherd, the God who makes a covenant with us, is in an ongoing relationship with us. He knows us uniquely and He cares for us with the utmost care. But before we go any further, I want you to know this. This, 
Psalm is not about the sheep. And this psalm is not really even about the shepherd. This psalm is about a relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And so there are a couple of things for us to understand as we wrap this first part before we pick up on the second part at the very end. The first thing that I want you to see here is a partnership. It's a partnership between the shepherd and the sheep. He is the shepherd and I am the sheep. Now, as we, we, we go through the 23rd Psalm, as you read through it, you study through it, you'll begin to understand that it's not a compliment to be called a sheep. It never has been. Have you noticed, by the way, how that word has come back up? Right? The last two or three years. It's just come back up in society and people say, oh, they're a sheep. Oh, that person's a sheep. And they throw it around with a great amount of disdain. I want you to understand there's no question asked in Psalm 23 or really anywhere in Scripture. We are sheep. And it's not a compliment. When Scripture calls us a sheep, sheep are some of the dumbest animals God ever created. They take endless attention, meticulous care. They follow one another instead of the shepherd. They go astray. You don't believe me, this is what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to his own way. God identifies us as sheep. And so as we work through this psalm today, the question's not, are you a sheep? The question's not really even, who is the shepherd? We know who it is. We've been through that and worked that part out. It's the Lord. The question that we're left with today as we look at the first verse of Psalm 23 is this. Are you His sheep? Are you His sheep? Do you belong to Him? Is what was true of David as he wrote this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, is it true of you? In the Middle East, there are quite a few shepherds with a lot of flocks of sheep And there aren't many fences, even to this day. And so, Jesus used this analogy because He knew that people would understand it, that only one set of sheep belong to any given shepherd. And in John chapter 10, Jesus goes on and He explains a little bit more. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me and my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they... Follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. God gives, you hear that? God gives eternal life to His sheep. But His sheep are the ones who follow Him. So as we think about it in the context of this psalm, a shepherd would head out to pasture with his sheep. He would take them to the best piece of pasture that he knew of. He leads me to green pastures so that they could be nourished and filled and satisfied. And then He would lead them to a place where they could drink because a sheep is a ruminant and they have multiple stomachs. They have to pass that food around and they have to have water as part of the digestion process. And so He would take them to a place where they could drink, but sheep are clumsy. 
So they don't drink from the rapids, they drink from the still places. Normally, a water hole would be a dammed up place on a brook, or it would be a cistern outside of the city walls. And so the shepherd would lead the sheep beside the still waters. And while the sheep were drinking, the shepherd would recline. Sometimes he would just rest. Sometimes he may remove a thorn from his foot that was embedded there from a long day of hard work. Oftentimes he would have conversation with other shepherds that were in the area. But when it was time to go, that shepherd would rise and he would call his sheep. And each shepherd had a unique call. One might say, hey. Another might say, woo. Another might say, yep. And his sheep knew his voice. And when it was time, they'd get up and they'd follow. I remember it wasn't sheep, but it was similar. A few years ago, we were in Guatemala and we were, had to stay in Guatemala City overnight to catch our flight the next day, and it was dangerous. And we weren't staying in the best part of town there, you know. But high-rises were everywhere. It's not like, you, like you'd think a little village with mud huts or something. Guatemala City, high-rises everywhere. We stepped out of our hotel, which was a roll-up garage door, not a storefront door, and we stepped out, and we were just looking down the street, and I heard, and I thought somebody was shooting, you know, and I dipped back in and stuck my head out and looked around the corner. And it was a guy with a herd of goats coming down the street, and he had about a 15-foot bull whip. And he would crack that whip a certain number of times, and those goats would just cozy up next to the, the first building that they came to. And the guy would go ring several bells, and these ladies would come downstairs and each of them would have a glass, and he would get them a glass of fresh milk right there on the side of the road. We watched it, you know. And after he filled three or four, he cracked that whip, and those goats got back out and started going down the road. And when he cracked it again, they just cozied up. It's very similar to what we're reading about. It, it, when Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let me share something with you today. Because this is a big issue in the church in America in the year 2022 that I think we've not addressed as clearly as we need to. If you're not following the shepherd, you're not his sheep. It's just as simple as that. Guys, I'm going to tell you that I believe there are way too many churchgoers in America today that want to live their own life and do their own thing and go their own way, but call themselves by the shepherd's name and you don't get to make up those kind of rules. Jesus said, my sheep know me and they listen to my voice and they follow me. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as the shepherd of your life? He is undoubtedly the one that David was writing about. John chapter 1 tells us he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. 
Our shepherd was one with God and he left the splendor of heaven and came to this old, dirty, dusty earth and walked on it for a period of time and lived a perfect life in the sight of God and laid that life down on Calvary's cross where his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And it's only through trusting and believing in Jesus and following him as the shepherd of our life that we are able to know the Lord as our shepherd. If you allow Him to be the shepherd of your life, He'll change your life. If your life has never been changed, then you probably don't know the shepherd. What a beautiful statement it was that David makes. The Lord is my Shepherd. And he follows it up with these words. I shall not want. I shall not want. Now a lot of times we do get excited at that part. And again, it might be because it doesn't mean what we think it means. So one of the first places that we go is we say, okay, if I know the Lord is my shepherd, I can have whatever I want. Is that how this works, right? And while there are plenty of television preachers that would tell you that it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. You you don't get to name and claim whatever you want because you're following the Lord as your shepherd. That's not the way that it works. And so then we might come back and say, okay, so this must be what it means, right? That if I know the Lord is my shepherd, He will meet all of my needs and I'll never find myself in a place of need. Well, I believe that God meets the needs Of his children, I do. But that's not what this passage means. So, what does it mean? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I heard this story that sums this this passage up as well as anything that I've ever heard. There was a young lady, probably about Letty's age, uh, Caitlin, that came, came in from Sunday school one Sunday. And her mom asked her, she said, what did y'all study in Sunday school today? I, I just heard you ask a brother this outside as y'all were giving out bulletins. And uh, he was telling what they studied in Sunday school. So this mom asked her, her little daughter, said, what did y'all study in Sunday school this morning? She said, the 23rd Psalm. And she said, well, that's good. Do you remember anything? And she said, I remember one thing, Mama. I remember the first verse. And her mama said, okay, what, what is it? And the little girl started reciting, and this is what she said. The Lord is my shepherd. What else could I want? And she got it. She got it. I don't don't know who the teacher was of that class. I don't know if she taught it that way. Or that little girl just couldn't remember exactly how she had read it from the Scriptures that morning. But she got the heart of Psalm chapter 23. If the shepherd is everything that David described him to be, if he's a God who understands us and relates to us 
who is in a personal relationship with us, who is present whenever we need Him. We don't have to go looking for Him. He's already there with us each step of the journey, each step of the way. And He is the Lord God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, who is able to be anything we could ever hope for or dream for or imagine. If that Lord is my shepherd, what more could I possibly want? Well, that brings me to a second point of application that I want to make today. If that's true, I believe that it is. Why do we look to all of these other places for the validation and contentment and fulfillment that can only come from Him. You know what I'm talking about. If I could just, I could just get that job or that promotion or that house or that car or that boat or if just this girl would go out with me or that guy would go out with me or whatever it is and we're looking in all of these different saying if just this then life would be what I need for it to be. No. No. That, that's, not, that's not how the shepherd provides for us. The way that he provides for us is what else could I possibly need or want? The Lord is my shepherd. And so here are two ways that you respond to this message in obedience this morning. The first one is if he's not your shepherd then you need to trust Him as the Lord and Shepherd of your life. The second thing is this. If you've been looking to other things for validation or fulfillment or contentment, then there's a biblical word for what that is. And the biblical word is idolatry. Because you've been looking to all the wrong things. And in all the wrong places. And there's a biblical word to how you respond to idolatry when you find it in your life. And that word's repentance. You turn from it, you run back to the Lord who is our shepherd, and you never return to it again. Instead, you find in Him your all in all, that He is everything you could ever need or want or hope for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not I hope that's true for you. In just a moment, we're going to sing a closing song together. And then when that's done, Zach's going to have a few instructions about dinner. But if you want to respond in some way to this message today, maybe you do that as we're singing this last song right there in your pew in prayer. That, that's a perfectly valid way to respond. If you need to talk to Zach, he's going to be available after the end of the service. Just come and find him. I'm going to be out this door after the end of the service. If you need to talk with me or pray with me, you're welcome to find me. But do not leave this place without responding in obedience as God leads you to this morning. Father, we thank You for this opportunity to worship with You today in this place. We thank You for Your presence. We thank You for Your love. We thank You today, Lord, just for who You are. We seek to give You all the glory and the honor and praise because, Lord, I'm, I'm not the shepherd. I don't know any person on this earth who is the shepherd, but You are. And Lord, we thank You for what You've done and what You're doing and what You're going to do. 
And we ask that as you use the truth of these words to transform us from who we are to make us more like Jesus, that he would receive all of the honor and glory, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen.